Mary Duffield. I'm going to start with an unusual beginning. I just love you and lots of New Zealanders love you. They saw you interviewed on our Baby Will uh, marathon that we did, that telethon we did at the end of last year. And that was a wonderful interview from Hannah and Kelvin of Counterspin. So many people cared about that. And we will go back into your story later on in this interview. But I want to begin with some really hard-hitting facts today. Facts that every Kiwi yep. should have put right in front of them. There is a caveat, however. You said something just before we went to air here. What was that caveat? What have you asked me? I asked that if I have a, um, an episode, so if I have uh, an anxiety attack and there are tears, that I would like to stop the camera because I do not want to give them another tear. Look at you, Barry. Look how healthy you are. Look at those arms. I would love to have the arms that you have. Have you been training today? Uh, yeah, I have. I train every day. It's my one place of being able to um, escape to. And before we get into what's happening now, tell me just briefly, because we'll cover this more later, what you were like before you took this jab in terms of your physical well-being and fitness. Six-day-a-week trainer. I'd sleep for seven hours a night. I'm a script writer as well and an actor, so I'd be up and I'd be working on scripts or I'd be learning lines. Um, I'm, I'm hyperactive. I, um, I would like to do a 20-minute nap and then I'd be straight back into work again. So I'd, I'd come home from my day job, I would, um, I'd get jump straight onto the computer and I'd do more work. I'd faceplant a quirky keyboard for 20 minutes and then, uh, then I'm straight back into it again. I mean, your energy is extraordinary, but how you must have been before I came to know you, I can only imagine the, the energy of you. I need to ask this, it's so obvious to me, but have you ever had shaking like this? in the period before you had the jab? No, never. Have you had any of the symptoms we're about to talk about before you had the jab? Never, I've barely been in a hospital in the last 30 years. In fact, it's for broken bones. I'm a, I'm a motocross rider as well, so I'm um, plenty of broken ribs, broken fingers, dislocated things, snapped off tendons, I've got that kind of thing, just boy stuff. But I've never been in a hospital for anything um, physiologically wrong with me. People will know you before we get into the into the guts of this. People will know you from your acting. What have you been in acting-wise? Oh, Spartacus, Brokenwood Mysteries, Hercules Xena, Young Hercules, Jack of All Trades, um, Shortland Street, pretty much name it. I've done a lot of work here in New Zealand, a lot of work in Australia. I've been at it for 30-something years. And you were Mr Action Man often, weren't you, in those movies? Oh, yeah, although in Brokenwood I got to play a special needs character and it was one of my favourite characters. He was great. I got people past me in the supermarket after that and they would be walk past me and they go, hello, Simon, how are you? <laughs> That's good acting, Barry. That's good acting. Yeah, yeah it was great. But this is, not, this is not acting. This is very raw, real-world stuff. So tell us what happened when you had that jab and how many jabs you've had for your career because all actors have had to be jabbed in this dark period. Oh, yeah, pretty much. I, after I did Spartacus, it was the show that kept on giving. So Spartacus allowed me to, um, to travel to Europe and to America to do conventions, which were great. I love that because we meet the fans. Um, I think it was 22 that we had it coming up again to do Europe, so we were Paris and Missouri. And I had to be able to fly for that, so I had to get the jab to be able to get on a plane, otherwise I wasn't allowed on a plane. Um, I also work in a gym, so if I didn't have the jab, I didn't have my job. So no travel, no job. Um, and pretty much no social life, so I wouldn't have been able to go anywhere. So 
for work reasons, I definitely had to have it. I had two jabs. I think one was in August and the other was on September, so it was the 9th and it was the 16th that I had the jab. And that was in 21. And on the 17th, that's when my life completely changed. I literally couldn't get out of a seat. My wife would come up to me and ask me to go for a walk with her. Now, I'm a six-day-a-week trainer. Um, during the last big lockdown, we did, we did three times a day training. I couldn't get up and go for a walk, nothing. Heart palpitations, breathlessness. I'd go shopping and I would, couldn't come back up the driveway without having to make a stop. So I've got to drive on like this, to be in, in all honesty. It was great to lunge up. But I couldn't get up that driveway. I couldn't walk up it. And before that, it was easy? Before that, I would lunge up and down it. And, and when you say you couldn't get up, was it, were there leg issues as well? Yes, I got um, fluid retention from my knees down to my ankles. It was, uh, if I had a sock on, it would act like a dam. And I'd have the skin full of fluid um, piling over the top of it like a fat fold. It looked hideous for someone who's, and I am, I am quite body conscious. So I'm definitely, um, oh, I'm body conscious, but uh, to see something like that, even if you're not, it's, it's quite hideous. And, and after the first jab, was there nothing? None of these symptoms showed up? Nothing that I could really put my finger on. What do you mean by that? Well, I look back on it and I was still at work, so I was getting the gym ready to open up after we'd all had our jabs and we were going into the traffic-like stages and I was getting really, really hideously bad indigestion, but I didn't, I didn't put anything to it. And then when I had the second jab, I got a blocked gag reflex where I couldn't, practically couldn't breathe. So if I did try to exert myself, like say get on a treadmill for a minute or two, by the time I'd got through the minute or two, I'd be burping so much but not being able to pass it that it would blow up like a balloon underneath my esophagus. And then I'd have to stop, get off and find a, a position to get my body into so that I could release the air. What did the doctor say about that? That's the symptom I have. I heard. rang my doctor because we were on that, we went into the big lockdown pretty much straight after we had that shot. So I think, I can't remember whether it was October, November, October that we went Is into that it. that lockdown for one person in the whole of New Zealand? That, that was the one, yes. That nightmare began. Yeah, so I got hold of my doctor and he said to me, are you, uh, you know, and it's the guy thing, are you in any imminent danger? And I went, no, nah, I can suck it up, I'll be all right. But I went in with all those symptoms. So I said to him, can we at least, we'll get an appointment with a cardiologist. It took five months, almost five months, so between four and five months from the time that I got hold of him and gave him all those symptoms to the time I finally got to see a cardiologist. And when I got to see the cardiologist, the day I got to see him, the moment I sat down and he did my ECG and he did my blood pressure, his exact words were, Mr Duffield, you can go home, but I will not be responsible for what happens to you. I suggest that you go with my nurse right now and we book you in. We book you in for what? Um, I went to the cardiology ward. So they wanted to find out what was happening to me. That's how he spoke to you? Yeah, pretty much. He said, um, just, yeah, in fact, he was just really matter of fact, but I appreciated the honesty from him. And when he did my blood pressure test, it was something like 190 over 110. I got into the ward and they did the blood pressure test with the nurses and it was perfectly normal. So I don't even know why I'd been booked in in the first place. It was just kind of weird. So the ECG showed that I have what's called cardiac myopathy. Which means? Thickening of the left ventricle, which they put down to um, weight training and steroid use. I can tell you I am on steroids, so I was perfectly honest with everybody about this, but I'm on a steroid that's for HRT that you get when your own testosterone levels are that low that you can't, you can't function sexually anymore. So I'm on a mill of that a week and it's prescribed by my doctor. So they tried to put the blame on that and none of the symptoms fit. 
this is this is what we've heard over and over that they troll through people's past histories and try to find something. Put the blame on it's you. It's genetic here, or you you know you mentioned this, so it must be that. It's you were you saying at the time to these medical specialists, I know what it is. Oh, 100%. Well, no, 100%, 99% certain. I mean, I had that, that element of doubt in my head because I, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a virologist, I'm not a cardiologist. What I did find out later, and this came afterwards, was that I have now, I have, and this is from the cardiologist, I have 92% heart functionality, which means for a guy my age, and I looked this up, Dr Google, I looked up Dr Google, and a guy my age, the average is between 55 and 70% heart functionality, and they consider that good. I'm 92 so if I'm 92% heart functionality, how can it be dangerous for me to have had cardiac myopathy? Yeah. So what they're finally settling on, finally, is saying, well, okay, what you could have had is running myocarditis alongside of what we have diagnosed, but it took us so long to get to you that the inflammation of the heart had come back down. So they said, if you've got cardiac myopathy, it's going to be bad, it's going to stay bad, it's going to get worse. But I got better. So all the heart issues started to disperse, which was classic myocarditis from what I looked up. So what does it feel like in your heart? What is your heart feeling like right now? Oh, I feel great, but occasionally I just get these little twitches, just occasionally. When did this twitching in the, in the external limbs begin for you? That was just after the second shot. It was one of those things that because I had so many other things going on that I didn't really pay much attention to this. It was just a slight twitch. And I had had motocross accidents where I had done things to the sheaf through the um, sheaf and the tendons. And I thought potentially that was something that it was just, it was a motocross accident until it got worse and worse and worse and it started moving up my arm. How, how bad is it? Is it? Do you feel it right up to the shoulder? Oh, all the way into my shoulder and down the back of my shoulder into my um, scapula. What, this constant twitching? Constant. If you, I, I got put into an MRI, so I did a cardiac MRI a few months back. And they patted me in and patted me in and patted me in and they locked my arm down. I wanted to lock my arm down. If you see it, it starts at the elbow now. And oh. then it worked its way up to the shoulder. So it, I couldn't get an accurate cardiac MRI. So they want to put me back in and do one of the sedation now. Barry, how do you train with this? If I grab a, if I grab a bar, um, I can lock into it and I can still push. I haven't got the same sort of strength because it's moving all the time, so it's always under, um, always under pressure. How do you sleep with this? <laughs> I got used to it. What, you're lying in bed and it's just constantly shaking? Constantly tremors, it wakes myself and my wife up. And it seems to be attached to emotion, so if I get, um, if I get emotionally invested in something, it flaps like a fish. What other symptoms? What other symptoms have happened since what, this whole cluster of symptoms? Describe some more of this because how many other people watching this will go, yeah, I've got that, I recognise that. What headaches. else have you gone through? So the headaches are, are trippy. The headaches are like if I can feel my ear in the middle of my head and it feels like my skin's pulling together and it's pulling my head across. So they're not constant, but when I get them, they're, um, they're quite intense. So, so like, an, have you ever had a migraine before this? No. But that sort of intense, relentless pain. No, you know what? It's, it's really weird. It feels like there's a clamp underneath my skin inside my skull that's pulling all the skin together. So it feels like it's just doing this and it's pulling it all together, but underneath the skin. But I also get the, um, like this crawling sensation underneath my skin and my back and on my back of my arms. So a lot of times I can't, I have to walk around the house and I can't wear a shirt. What Just the skin against it. It feels what like. What do you mean it, by crawling? 
but it feels like fire ants moving around underneath my skin. So there's constant movement. Um, and I've never had shingles, but I've heard shingles spoken about. And, and if I put it down to that without the rashes, it's the same kind of feeling. It's really intense, it really burns, it really itches. And so it's hard itchy to put as well? Do you want to scratch then? I can't, well, itchy as in the respect that I can't put my clothes against it. This is relentless. Is there any relief? Is there any time when you go, oh, it's all stopped, I'm just having some time out? Is there anything that takes you back to your life? Yeah, the jazz. Yep, and they're the scary times. Why? Well, because I've had them and I go, I, uh, uh, maybe I'm okay, maybe I'm clear of this. But then it all comes back with a vengeance and you go, I'm not. So the next time you get it, you think, I'm just a brief respite, but it's going to keep coming back. So you all hope gets smashed over and yeah. over and over. And there's nothing I can really do about it because I, I, I don't know if you want to go here, but when they did put me on something to help me with my tremors, that's the thing that nearly killed me. Explain that. So they thought I had, or they assumed I had Parkinson's. And there is no blood test for Parkinson's. There's nothing they can do. There's a cognitive test for Parkinson's. So they said that they think I have Parkinson's and they put me onto a drug called Cinemet. So I should have done my due diligence here and I'm ashamed of myself for not doing it. But I, I generally yeah, I trust injured. them. You're severely injured. I absolutely trusted them, 100%. So they put me onto Cinemet and Cinemet starts at a quarter of a tablet and you do that for a week and then you do two quarters, three quarters and you work your way up until you get to a full dose which is three of the whole tablets per week. By the time I got there, I was so um, lost in who I was I was so delusional and hallucin I was hallucinating and I was, I, was just, I was just way off the charts with my emotions. I couldn't stop crying. I got a pay rise. I went up to my wife and handed her the paperwork and I burst into tears. Um, I went home two days after getting a pay rise. I've got two films in the works that are going great guns, so I've got everything to live for. I went home. I said to my wife, I can't speak to you right now. I need to go upstairs and I need to sleep off this really really bad place I'm in. So I went upstairs and I took two sleeping tablets and I took a Cinemet and I laid my head on the pillow and then I woke up in the ICU 14 hours later. And 14 hours later I found out that I'd taken every sleeping tablet in my house and I had tried to hang myself in my cupboard off my robe. So, um, yeah, my wife found me like that. And you have no memory so, of that? No, I have zero, zero memory of it. I, I, to this day I don't remember doing any of it. But I do know what I put my wife through. That tears me to pieces. But this, this is twice for me. This is the vaccine has done this to me and then the cinnamon has done this to me. I've had a really good run with pharma. With big pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. What, that is just heartbreaking. What other drugs have they tried and what are you on right now? Are you on drugs? They put me on anti-anxiety tablets. So I was on that for a week. I said, I'm not doing this. Absolutely what did they do to, to you? And they made me feel really anxious, but just the fact that when I did do my due diligence this time and I read about it, and I, and I wanted to be able to do this for my wife, so she was saying, we can't go through life with you bursting into tears every five minutes. And I mean, so, um, so dark, but not knowing where it comes from, and it was, it's horrendous to see. She said, we can't go through life like this. So I started taking the anti-anxiety, and then I checked it out, and it says the anti-anxiety tablets, when you come off it, will make you anxious. And I went, so I'm taking a tablet, for being anxious, that when I come off it, it's going to make me anxious. And I just went, honey, I'm not doing this. So I fought it like crazy. And like I said to you today, no more tears. Um, I said the same thing to her. I said, I'm strong enough to fight this myself. And I've beaten it back and beaten it back and beaten it back until I'm at a point where I can work my way through it. And I have a great psychologist. So she, um, she gave me some really great tools to work with. So I get to use those and um, I'm, I'm in a better place with it.
I would love to talk about her and I want to talk about the latest results that we've got. But before that, is there a stage where crying, when somebody realizes they've put something in their body that has absolutely hurt them, where you trusted the doctors, you trusted what the politicians said, you trusted what your workplace said, you've got to have this. Isn't crying every half an hour the most natural responsible? Was that what it was like when you first realised I, I have really damaged my body? I could not pin anything to it, but I absolutely take accountability for taking the vaccine because every instinct in my body said no. Every instinct in my body was going, do not take this. Explain that more, Barry, when you went in. I, even for the first one, it was like that. When I heard about it, so I heard about the vaccine, I didn't want to call it a vaccine, mRNA, um, all of the facts were saying there were a 98.4% chance of you surviving this. The CDC were coming up saying that out of that 1.6% of those people that were going to die from it, they were going to have four or more comorbid comorbidities and they were going to be over the age of 80. So I'm thinking I'm in a pretty safe place. I would have rather have taken those I'll just stop you there. That's that horrendous argument. People say, oh, you know, some people have had to take one for the team. Some people have just had to get injured for this so that we could save others from COVID. Yeah. Can, can you just address that right now, that argument, what you think of that argument when you hear it? I think it's crazy, and I think the easiest way to address this to you, and you can stop me if I'm wrong, but I spoke to a guy today who is at my gym, and I won't name him, but he knew about my vaccine injury, and he said, well, you know what, some people are going to get hurt. And I said to him, how many people are gonna, is it going to take to get hurt before you say that's enough for people to get hurt? So 68,000 people on Calm, 1.4 million people on Bayers, and that's two countries, so then you add all the other countries in and you put together the numbers. I said, how many people does it take to get hurt before you feel justified about us? And, and there was no answer to that. Well, actually, it, there was. He didn't, he smiled, so it was just that smirk. And I said, well, okay, what if it's your daughter? What if it's your son? What if it's your wife? Is it that easy then? What was his reply? Walked away. And the thing is, we're, you're my brother. We're all each other's care, caretakers in this country, or we were once that nation. We really cared if one New Zealander got hurt. How this has happened, do you know how many uh, jab injured registered on the government MedSafe website? 65,000. And not a word about that in our mainstream yeah. media. And I begged them, begged them outside the Manukau District Court, please write about that. So that is calm, isn't it? Yep. Yep. It's I think just, the numbers are even higher, Liz. Well, we, we're seeing it stuck at 65, but yep. we think it might be between 1% and 5%. Yeah, and they said that the amount of people who have actually registered on it is quite low. Yeah. There's more jab injured out there who haven't come forward yet. Because I, there are a lot of doctors saying, no, it's not yeah. that, it's anxiety. So get back to the anxiety and the tears. Did you go through that stage where doctors were saying to you, hey, Barry, it's just anxiety, you're imagining it? Did you? My, my doctor laughed. I got a, the first ECG I got, I said, this is what I think it is, and I think it's a, a jab injury. I think that it's a vaccine because of the timing. And um, he literally, while I was getting the ECG with a nurse who I've never met before in my life, laughed. And I brought him to task on that. I said, you know, I'm, and I won't mention his name, but I said that as my doctor and, and, and expecting a relationship that's confidential, appalled. And I said, I almost got out of my chair and knocked him on his ass. He laughed. Laughed, yeah, and used the words. Laughed and went, yeah, there goes your conspiracy theory. Is he still your doctor? No. No, I have a new doctor now. I have an NZDSOS doctor and he's, he's great guns. Do you want to name either of those doctors, the one who laughed? No. Nah. No. I don't see any point in it. And people who know me will know who he is anyway.
Barry, what would you say to him down that camera that you see right now? I'd say that you should have um, put me up for the spike protein test at the beginning of all of this. I'd say that you'd wasted my time and you've probably shortened my life. Thank you so much. So you, you then realised I can't go down the big pharma route. This is not going to take me away. It's not going to take the pain away. It's not going to make me better. How on earth do you begin to tackle this? You've already indicated that you're doing a lot of your own research as well. Yeah. How are you doing that when you're not well? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I've, I've got really blessed with people who came forward to help me. So I'm doing HOCAT. I'm doing ozone therapy. Um, my head is probably in a better place now because I know exactly what happened to me. Um, running that self-doubt gauntlet is really tough. What do you mean by that? Well, when you think you have the answer. So instinctively, like I said, I, I wouldn't have taken this vaccine because my gut was saying no. My gut was telling me afterwards what it was that had happened to me. So I had this feeling that the spike protein wasn't stopping being manufactured in my body. I've had that feeling ever since I found out that that was a possibility. I went, that is all the symptoms I've got. It sounds like everything that's happening to me. But everybody I went to see, they said, well, no, that's not possible because it goes into your body, it kills the virus, and then it's gone. Yeah. So I believe that. Then, so then you get that doubt where you're going, well, maybe I am crazy. Maybe it is just one thing after the other with another infection and another infection and another infection. I'm I, I had out. someone in my wider family ring me that first Christmas and say, I went to my specialist. He explained it goes in the body for a couple of days and then it's out. Yeah. And even then, that sounded ludicrous to me. The body doesn't work like that. The blood system would take it everywhere. But this is what her specialist had said, and you were told this. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things they did say to me, they said, oh, it's probably a needle aspiration because having aspirated the needle, they pushed it straight into your bloodstream, but you'll be all right. So you had this sense of the spike protein manufacturing inside. Yeah. What was that? Was that because you'd read things online? This is where they read say, oh, conspiracy theorists, you've read things online, you're thinking it's happening. This is the danger yeah. of reading things online. That's how they, they argue it. Your, your reply to that, Barry? I'd read these things, I'd seen these things, and then I had experienced these things. So I had all these kidney infections, prostitutes. And I, I would like to say that if the first time you pee blood, it scares you. When you ejaculate blood, it terrifies you. How often has that happened? Oh, so I've been in for four kidney infections now. I carried my last one to Australia after they'd given me antibiotics to kill it. Within a week of having that, it was back, and it was back with a vengeance. Um, I was in Australia when I came home. You know what I mean? Coming home, and I've been away for two weeks, so my wife and I do what we do when you've been away for two weeks. And I was ejaculating blood. I mean, I'm not talking about a little bit of blood in my semen. I'm talking about pure blood. And that's coming from the kidneys? That's coming from my prostate. So that was prostitutes. So kidney infections and prostitutes. So all of these infections, and this is a guy, like I said, I'm, I'm a healthy guy. I've never had this kind of thing happen to me before, but I had one infection after the other infection after the other. And if it wasn't the spike protein doing this, I had no idea what it was. So my own autoimmune system is just getting the battering that's not working anymore. And we're going to talk about these results that you've just had now. Yeah. But first, your pain levels, because I know kidney infections are some of the most painful things to have in the human body for some reason. Those kidneys, when they flare up, it's intense. What are your pain levels like that you've been living with, out of 10? Well, it wasn't kidney stones, so I think I was quite lucky. Um, I'm not so sure about, it wasn't, so my pain levels weren't massive. I wasn't registering massive pain. I didn't, I wasn't screaming or anything like that. Um, it was more about the, because I'd stopped peeing and I was peeing blood. I mean, I literally stopped peeing. Um, it scares you, psychologically, I was, I was screwed. 
Um, yeah, not, not pain, just fear. Absolute fear when you're in the hospital lying there wondering if your kidneys are packed up. Psychological damage that happens to you to think, am I going to come out of hospital this time? Let's talk about the results. What is the latest in terms of what you're finding out about what's going on in your body through a good doctor who's being thorough and fastidious and decent? Yeah. What are you finding out? What, what tests have you done? I went to my doctor, so he didn't recommend this. My last doctor absolutely just said it's not going to happen. So my last doctor was so pro-vaccine, he didn't want to know about anything to do with finding out if it was anything to do with the vaccine. In fact, when I first spoke to him, he said, um, I am pro-vaccine, so do not speak to me about the vaccines. That's exactly his words. The next one I got, the NZ DSOS doctor, he was really open to speaking. But I went to him and I said, I'd like to do a spike protein blood test. And he was really great. He was accommodating. He said, yes, we'll do it. But I will tell you now, I've had 15 of my patients that I've sent prior to this, and none of them got it because they said they won't do it. So Who's sick? The hospital? The, the hospital. Um, was it um, where you go to? The, no, the blood places? They said they won't do it. Won't on, do what, on what grounds? Well, it's interesting because I don't know whether they actually gave them grounds for it, but I went for it. So I went for the test. And they didn't know what it was. So I don't know whether it's so much about them not saying that they won't, they actually don't have it listed or the people don't know about it. Tell us how you came across it and what it is for people who don't, aren't aware yet. It's a spike protein antibody test. Um, my doctor wrote it down and I took in the paperwork and I gave it to them and she looked at me and she said, I, I don't know what this is. So she looked it up and she found it on the computer. So once she found it, she said, there's a cost that goes with this, so you have to pay for it yourself, which I would say would put a lot of people off. But I is it was, very expensive? Um, no, it's only $115. But, you know, $115 for a blood test, I think a lot of people would just go like, oh, well, I can't, I won't do it. So I paid to get it done. Then she said once, or just before I'd made payment, she said, I, I need to actually ring the lab to see if they'll do it. I think, and I can only speculate, so I think that she got either a sympathetic lab technician or he just hadn't got the memo that you don't do it. So I think I was lucky that I got it. Can you believe we're talking about our New Zealand health system in this kind of third world way, this arbitrary way, this, this, I mean, the government should be paying for these tests. The government should be following Absolutely up with all be. injured people and no injured person should be paying anything for any test to find out what's gone wrong. However, that's, that's how this government is. And here you are talking about, well, I just got lucky in the system because so many others didn't. Yeah. What's it like, the test? Do they just take a lot of vials? Just took another vial and they put it forward to actually look into the blood for the antibodies. Can I ask what's, what, what it's like when they draw blood from you, Barry? Oh, I've had it done so many times, it's like second nature now. Is it, is it very thick and viscous, though? Because we heard when the Baby Will case was happening that there are children on blood machines in the emergency uh, wards there and the blood machines keep blocking up. And they, yeah. they, they go, I don't know what these are, taking out these long strands. Now, nobody that has approached me is willing to talk publicly because there's so much fear in New Zealand. But if that is true, it seems that some people, when blood is taken from a jabbed body, the blood is showing very odd signs of a kind of clot that many people who are familiar with clotting say they've never seen clots like it. Did you have any of that? I can honestly say I never really paid any attention to it. Okay, so they didn't struggle to pull the blood? No. Did you notice the colour? Very, very dark. Yeah, that's yeah. another thing. Very, almost black. Yeah. Not, not rich and red. I have um, ozone therapy at home. I have two sessions a week, so they're doing intravenous ozone, and at the end of that he pulls blood.
and um, he puts it into a vial with ozone and he shakes it and it goes very, very bright red, almost effervescent red before he puts it into my veins, but it changes the colour dramatically. Mm. And I'm doing the hocat and when I they open the chamber up, the sweat is just, and everything is leached out of me. On my left-hand side, the side I got the jabs, it was black. Black? Just black, black came out of my sweat, absolutely black. The next time I do it, I'm going to get a vial of it. Describe a hocat. What is what is a hocat to you? It's really interesting. It's like a Dalek. You remember the base of the Dalek? In fact, I think they had one. Uh, I can't remember the name of the Dalek guy, but it was like Davros. In Doctor Who. And he was sitting above it, and he had the base of a Dalek, but he was a human above it. So it's like a, it's like that. Or if no one knows what a Dalek is, if you imagine when they're back in the old days and they used to use steaming cabinets, and it was like a little chest that they closed around you, and you just got your head sticking out of it. Well, you're in that and they raise the heat to 40 degrees so they can get the cells to open up. And then they pump ozone into it so that's pushed into your cells and they push all sorts of herbs and spices in there and then you've got pure oxygen running through your nose. It's brilliant. It's like a little personal sauna with yeah. a whole lot more added. Exactly. For those who don't understand ozone, could you talk about why you are drawn to that and what you think the advantages are? The ozone is supposed to help your white blood count, so help to regenerate your cells. Um, I'm not an expert on it. I've read a little bit about it I, and my wife made me just double check on my due diligence to make sure it couldn't hurt me. So I figured if it can't hurt me, I'll see if it'll help me. Well, the whole point is your blood is not that rich, red, highly oxygenated blood that you need to be yeah. healthy. So the ozone is rich in, in this oxygen that your body's so hungry for. So are you feeling better after you do one of those hocats? I did a three day intensive for my first one. Yeah. And I, that three days I walked out of it feeling a million bucks. How long did that last? Um, I still feel pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm about to. I've got another session of intravenous on Thursday. But I, my energy levels are definitely up. So that's, if I want to quantify it, that's the best way I could do it. This is exciting because the potential to have this unrolled by the next government, and let's hope we have some decent people in government, to help all our jab injured, this could be a real potential to have this ozone therapy across New Zealand to yeah. counter the injuries. Unless yes. they shut it down because I hear they're going after other remedies. That's why we're talking about it. That's yeah. why we need New Zealanders to be aware of it. So New Zealanders can push our elected officials to say, will you commit to this? Yeah. That's going to be important because we need help for our brothers and sisters who are injured. All of us need to push for you. Tell us about the spike protein test. What happened when they came back? Okay, so I got the spike protein test uh, on paper. And then so that I could understand it, my doctor sent me a video so that I could look at um, what had happened with other people and, and what it means for me. So what normal levels are, what levels during infections are and what a high level infection is. So I watched it and uh, having that number in my head and they speak about if you're in a COVID infection that you have 300 antibodies per one milliliter of blood. That's while you're in the height of an infection. So I'm a, over a year and a half down the track from having my second jab and I have 3,100, I think, get the numbers right, I'm 3,109.2, somewhere around there. So I am literally 11 times the amount that you would get as average on a raging infection that I have in my body a year and a half later. How does that happen? These are antibodies. Antibodies, yes. Well, the spike protein. Yes. I just need to take that in. That is so shocking. So what do you think or what did they think when they saw the results? What did your doctor oh, My doctor was shocked. Absolutely shocked. 
He got the results and he rang me straight away and he said, Lou, you have to watch this because this is what's happening with you. And he tried to explain it to me and in the video they explained it too. They said, this is what happens if you imagine you have AIDS, HIV. He said, it's not the AIDS and it's not the HIV that kills you. It's the, the um, infections that you get alongside that where your immune system now can't fight it. Because I have so much spike protein being created in my body, there's no room for it to be manufacturing any kind of um, any proteins or any um, antibodies to be able to fight any other infections I get. So eventually I will probably get to a point where I can't use antibiotics to fight it anymore because they'll become useless to me after I've used them so many times and then how do I fight it? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. really intense. Can I just ask how you're coping with that news, with that? It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? I know. So now that I know, I'm not asking questions all the time. And that puts me in quite a good headspace. I know what potentially could happen. So potentially I could get a virus or an infection that's going to kill me. And I'm... deal with that when it comes. I just can't bear that this is happening in our country and that it's being ignored by our medical system and it's being ignored by our media. I can't bear it. So let's get back to, to obviously I want to move to what we can do to help you, but we need to understand this more. So if I understand you properly, your body has now gone, since this jab, I'm reprogrammed. This is the immune system. I'm reprogrammed. Yes. This jab has, has programmed me to do one thing and one primary thing which is produce antibodies to spike proteins. That's what the jab told my immune system to do. That's what it's doing. That's what I'm going to overproduce. Yeah. But something else comes in the door, and that amazing immune system that was so agile and responsive before this jab now goes, sorry, no time for that. I need to keep giving spike protein antibodies. And the spike protein antibodies that it's creating are for Delta. So if it's any other COVID that comes along, any other variation in that COVID strain, then, then I can't fight that either. But are we talking, are we talking also even as a skin infection or a... Any infection. Anything that my autoimmune system has to fight. This is, this is, this is really shocking. And do you know something else that's coming up for me right now, Barry? You could be the trickle and downstream, we could have a tsunami of cases like this oh, because so. of what this, of what this, this government forced on the people. There could be a tsunami of people with the same thing in future years. You know what, Liz? My psychologist speaks to me, and she says to me, "You have to let go of anger. You have to let go of hatred." I find that really hard to do. Many of us do. Many of us do. I want accountability. Above everything else, I want accountability. In this space, I want you to, to talk to the woman and Chris Hipkins. Let's not forget that our current Prime Minister was the Minister of Mandates. He was the Minister of Health. He was the Minister of Police. So his, his hands, he's in it right up to his armpits as well. Those two, what would you say to Hipkins and I doing? If I was in a room with Chris Hipkins and Jacinda Ardern, I would want them just to look at me and I would want them to tell me 100% they did not know that any of this was going to happen because I don't believe them. I'd like them to be in a room with me, Casey, with Rob, 
tell us how our lives getting destroyed is okay because we're collateral damage. You do that. When I first did the Casey Hodgkinson story, 23 years old, her life ruined, I remember leaving that interview, Barry, thinking, this is it. New Zealand will wake up. People will stop jabbing. They'll call the government to account. The, the dupe, the trick is over. Instead, what happened was absolutely horrific. Mainstream media doubled down on false stories. Mainstream media did attacking stories on Casey. The trolls came out. The comments were just yeah. brutal. Her doctors, one after the other, every time she went to hospital, either laughed or dismissed her. One even shook her shoulders and said, stop pretending. The horrors that 23-year-old suffered are just incredible. And the story was suppressed. Nobody has followed through in mainstream media on a story on Casey Hodgkinson or Rob Martin. That, that whole idea of, of people saying to Casey, um, you mentioned before we came to air a comment that you heard. Yeah, tell yeah, us, that, tell that us that in your reaction. Twitter troll that I would love to meet. What was the comment? Once the cash starts coming in, the tremors will stop. That's how he referred to Casey. That's in how other he referred words, to her, yeah. That she was making it up and yeah. that she was after money. Yeah. What, what, knowing what you know now, what would you say to that guy? If I was face to face with him? Yeah. There'd be no words. Yeah. The cruelty of that is beyond belief. Have you had trolls? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, they're trying to give me their scientific facts. This is why it can't happen. This is why you're wrong. Um, they're not in my shoes. They're not in Casey's shoes, they're not in Rob's shoes. None of them, no. The brutality of this period is extraordinary and one of the things I wanted to do as someone trained in journalism was go to the sources because how can you argue with someone saying this is what I know. Before the jab I was one person, after the jab I was another. These are, two, are due to the jab. How can people argue with the person who's going through it, yet they do. Do you know what I find really disturbing about all of this Liz? Our government, we know that governments can be corrupt, we know that governments are partisan. We know that the media in this country and other countries is bought. We know all these things. We've known these things for a long time. Some of them, like myself, I didn't wake up to this for about three or four years. What I'm disgusted with, totally disgusted with, is the people that have done the work, the average people in New Zealand, the average people in America who've done the work for those, those organisations, for the government, for the media. They're just average people like our neighbours and they're doing their work for them. It's, it, it is, and you know what, you get slammed for this? but it is reminiscent of Nazi Germany with the brown shirts. It's reminiscent of all of those people who made that possible. I'm disgusted by them. As a child, I remember reading about the, the Germans and thinking, how could they go about their daily lives while the chimneys were burning and the smoke was coming out and people were being passing in, in, in train after train after train, the people in the area around Auschwitz in Poland or any of the German camps. Yep, they bought into an ideology and they ran with it. Mm. Yeah, I'm disgusted with those people. A big part of it, Barry, is mainstream media. Have they done any hit pieces on you? Uh, no, not yet, but I imagine they will. Mm. And let them come. I couldn't care less. I know what my truth is. The thing is now, when Simon Dallow sits there and calls anybody who questions it a conspiracy theorist, they must know that these injuries are real. They're not made up. Yeah. So how, how again, these messages are, are your voice coming through this camera. Look down that camera again and say your message to mainstream media who are holding up the lie. 
I embrace the fact that they call people um, conspiracy theorists. I embrace the fact they call me a conspiracy theorist because I figure they'll catch up. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't wound me, it doesn't hurt me that they do that. I just think that they are delusional. And lying, you know, they're absolutely lying to themselves. So what, let's get back to your tests. What did your doctor advise? We, we left you with these tests and he's explained it to you. You're both taking this in and he's in shock, as you must have been. What did he then advise? Well, it's really funny because I, I'd already organised to do the HOCAT. I've already organised to do the intravenous. So that got recommended to me a while ago. Um, I told him I was doing those things and they were the things that he's gone, yes, that's great, you should be doing those things, but there's nothing else above that that he's come up with. I don't think there is anything he can come up with. Have you taken all the protocols, the, the zincs and the, yeah, all of those? Yeah, 100% I have. Ivermectin as well. And that doesn't help either? No. What about around the world? Are you finding or is your doctor finding any other countries where they're discovering things that might be efficacious? Yeah, if he is, he hasn't told me yet. Like I said, he's a really good guy, I'm, and he's only fairly new for me, so we'll get there. But I'm, I'm doing that myself. I'm looking everywhere. Are you, are you coming across anything that gives you hope, Barry? The ozone therapy, I've definitely got hope for. Mm. Yeah. At this stage, I need to address a, 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 a screaming issue, which is the money for this. Mm -hmm. Can we please put your account number up at the end of this and get money in to help you pay for these treatments? If, it's, and this is really difficult. I know. Pride, pride takes over that you wanted to be able to do this yourself. And I can say this, um, I've, I don't have an actor's agent anymore. They dropped me within days of me doing one interview with a different, uh, with a, an excuse that just didn't make any sense. What was the excuse? And the excuse was we were cleaning out the books and we're not doing enough work with you. It's the first time that's ever happened to me in 30 years. Barry, I asked you this in another interview, but would you now give the name of that agency? Oh, well, if anybody knows, I was with Auckland Actors. Auckland but, Actors, you know what, I can... how could you do this? This is my addressing you down the camera. How could you do this? How could you turn your back on this wonderful man and not support him to the absolute best of your ability? In other words, stand by you. How did that feel, Barry? Uh, you know, when I was with Auckland Actors, they were absolutely fantastic. This came so out of the blue for me, I, it, it, it definitely rocked me. Um, they will never admit to why they let me go. The excuse will always be that. And then, you know, I mean, what can I do? I, I, I can't read their minds, so I don't know. But it came within days of you It came within days of me, yes. Issue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think my political beliefs were a little bit different, and I am quite vocal about the fact that I, I voted for Jacinda twice, and I think I made the biggest mistake of my life. Barry, we're meant to live in a democracy. We're not in communist China. You don't have to uphold the government in this country. Yeah. You're meant to have a free voice. If there is somebody who could sponsor Barry for his treatments, and if there is an acting agency that sees the value of this man and would still work with him and nurture him while we get him better, I would beg you to contact us, liz.gun at freenz.org. That would be incredible, Barry, because somehow we're going to find something that helps you. So the ozone is a start. I know that yeah. Rob Martin had ozone and it helped him as well to a certain extent, but it's digging deeper now. Where do you want to go with this? You referred earlier to it's the anger. I am so angry now. What do you want to do with this clear scientific information that shows that your body's immune system has been totally compromised? There's a couple of different things I'd like to do for all the naysayers that are out there. I'd like 
decided if you've got a test that you think that I need to do, if you want to think I need biopsies, however that is, to pull this apart, to unravel this, to find out what actually is happening, I'll do them all. I'm not afraid to step in to get anything done to prove that this is actually what it is, because I know what it is. Um, I've got fact-based evidence now to say that it's um, the antibodies in my body, so I, I think that that's a good place to move forward from. Um, what I really want, what I really want to see is I want to see accountability for the people that made us do this. I want, don't want to see people just lose their job and walk away. If I could, if I, if I could reach out and grab Jacinda by the back of her neck and pull her back into this and say, Face it, make, take accountability for this. Face up to this. At least be honest with us now. And she was. I'd, I'd be as happy as Larry. I'd walk away from that. You mean but at if, least she, be accountable. if she was? If she was accountable, if yeah. If she was accountable. If she was actually honest about it. But she won't be. I don't think that that woman should be in any position of power from here on in. And seeing what's happening with her with the, um, the Truth Bureau, where your government is your one source of truth, where she's going to move into that position... I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I'm a, I am absolutely lost. I, I'm, I've always wanted to go back to Australia because that's my home country. Um, for now, I love this country. I love the people in this country. I want to make that really clear. I love New Zealand. When I first came here, it was the most beautiful country in the world. I've got great friends here. I've built an acting career here. After this, I cannot wait to go home. I just want to get back home now. After what? After you get better? I know after what Jacinda's done to us. So the last few years, all I've wanted to do is get back to my own country. And some of it was because I've literally thought, um, I don't know what the next thing is that's coming and if it kills me, I want to die on my own shores. So I've got in my will now that should I die from something here that my wife takes me home and puts my ashes back in Australia. It's absolutely tainted. It's tainted living here for me. She has done that. I'm a Territorian. I come from that one state in Australia where everything in Australia that can kill you, it lives. That's how you feel about New Zealand, that she's absolutely ruined it for you. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. I, I feel like we've slipped into this socialist country and, I, and it happened before my eyes. Many, many Kiwis are saying that now. Many Kiwis are saying, what has she done? And to think her job now is to be fully dedicated Arbitrator to suppressing the truth. The truth. I'm not the arbitrator of the truth. Mm. Yeah. I got blocked by Helen Clark too. I didn't mention that, did I? You said I've been blocked by everybody. Such as? Helen Clark, um, the new guy from um, Sri Lanka. Was it? The, I, can't, I can't pronounce his name. Hatton. Yeah. Hatton Gower or someone. Yeah, no, that, I was blocked by him. He's from the Disinformation Project and yeah. he's from Sri Lanka and he has come here to cause such division and such confusion. He's a, he's a specialist propagandist merchant and he spins the government lies, in effect. Yeah, I was blocked by him because I asked the question, but then I saw on my feed coming up everybody putting their blocked status up on there as well. So I've worked out how he's going to keep the disinformation out. He blocks everybody so no one's got a voice. No one's got a voice. No. And, he's, and, he, and he never grew up here. He never understood the Kiwi spirit. He's been brought in by this government. He's very brutal. Everything has changed in the last few years. Yeah. Everything. Who else has blocked you? Oh, Helen Clark blocked me. What was um, that for? Did you tell her about your injury? I, I pretty much I asked her. I think I asked her a question about Jacinda. What did you say? Um, how it is that you could have such great faith in her after she did this, this and this and this and this. And you talked what about the injuries? Injuries, the three waters, um, the um, co-governance. Right. 
And what? Who? No her reply. Response, no response was to block me. The same with the other guy. Um, I've been blocked by everybody in New Zealand. It is moment. so cowardly. Those are important questions. We never see Jacinda or Hipkins or or Clark, who we know is behind Jacinda. We never see them prosecuted on television. We never see a hard hitting current affairs interview with any of them. And they're not prepared to give you an answer. I mean, it's not like I go in and I was swearing at them. I'm abusive. I'm not. No. I just like to get some answers. And maybe, you know, maybe somewhere in giving that answer, they might sway me to look at this from a di different perspective. Mm -hmm. But now, how does that happen? I can't even look at it from that. All I can look at it from is they want to shut me down and shut my voice down. I mean, it all points to tyranny. It points to oh, fascism. absolutely, it does. It points to to absolutely the the opposite of any kind of democratic system. But we're called the fascists. Yeah. And we're called the conspiracy yeah, theorists. Yeah, everything's upside down. What yeah. about Shillery? She's the queen of blocking. There's a page dedicated to Shillery, Shillery Barry. Oh, Shillery Barry, yes, I got blocked by her too. Oh, <laughs> well, I remember when she did that really backhanded attack on you where she said, my dear friend, and you know, my dear friend is so wrapped up in the so conspiracy theories. So concerned for this gun yeah. she doesn't Yeah, I'm so know. concerned. So false. Yeah. It was such a backhander. It was so obviously a backhander. And so I went back and I said, um, this is exactly what it looks like. What kind of a friend are you? And I got blocked straight away. Wow. It's the ultimate tool of the coward, isn't it? Rather yeah. than engage, rather than look at their behaviour, just block. And yeah, throw a rock in and hide behind a tree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this is the thing now. There's all this cowardice in our medical profession, cowardice in our media, cowardice in our politicians. All of them know, probably, late at night, somewhere around two in the morning, I may have done wrong. I may have upheld great wrongdoing. It will haunt them more and more, I believe, as they, they approach their own deaths, particularly yeah. Helen Clark. You know, Liz, I'll tell you what, what with a doctor, so a doctor in particular, I used to look at a doctor and I go, that's like a god. A doctor can save your life. A doctor goes into his profession and he signs the Hippocratic Oath. And in the Hippocratic Oath, it says, I shall do no harm. Do they not realise that by omission they're hurting us? They must know that. By signing a paper, and I don't, so I don't know if this is true, so you, can, you might be able to shed some light on this for me. But my understanding is, is the government have said to them, you need to follow these guidelines and you need to sign this or you will lose your licence, you'll lose a practice to licence or your licence to practice. Um, how, how can they sign that and not think I am going against every oath I've signed? How can they do that? And then you take that same thinking across to our lawyers, the Law Society, saying you'll do what we tell you, you will not question. You take it to the teachers who are still in mainstream. Yeah. You take it to the nurses who are seeing horrors every day and staying silent. All these people will have to live with, with not speaking out when they saw wrongdoing. Yeah. Here's the rub, Barry. That keeps this whole thing going. If, if all of us, if all of them who saw wrongdoing and spoke up, as you were doing. It would end. It would end. It would yeah. end today and the politicians would be put on trial. So back to your view, you said, I would like to grab Jacinda by the scruff of the neck before she goes overseas to this high paying, propagandized job where they'll try to build her up as the darling of the international world when she is universally almost loathed here. Yeah. You'd like to drag her back and what, put her on trial? Yeah, I would like her to sit on trial and be questioned and actually tell the truth. Absolutely. I'd like to hear her actually take accountability for what she's done. What about you personally? With these results, could you sue? Could you actually go after the person who jabbed you? The, the, the edict that said you must be jabbed, the government edict. Could you go after this government? Yes, I, I believe that's possible. I'm looking into if that's possible. And I 
100% I'm going to go down that avenue. Why? What do you think that Accountability. Mm. Accountability for the next person. And maybe if we do this and we get that accountability and we get some honesty out of these people and the ones who are out there saying this is rubbish, maybe they'll wake up. And if you wake up one person, then you've done the right thing. You know that a researcher we know contacted us last night with a piece of information about the latest jab, the bivalent. Do you know how many mice that was tested on? Was it eight? Mm. Do you know how many humans that was tested on? Zero. Zero. That's the jab this government has just rolled out. Yeah. That's the jab people are lining up for. I know people who've done this, God, I, I, four times now. I have a friend, and I'm going to remain nameless, who said to me he's on his fourth jab. I asked him why. He said, I got sick. I said, how sick did you get? He said, I got really, really sick. He said, I tested. It wasn't COVID, but I know it was COVID. I tested. It was negative, but I know it was COVID. How brainwashed is that? What did you say to him? I couldn't say anything. I walked away. What do you think it is? I think he had the flu and his autoimmune system was fighting so hard to fight it, it became worse for him. If you test, but you get a negative test and you're still in your head are going, that's COVID. How insane is that? And he could have a version of what you have, which is the compromised immune yeah. system. So many Kiwis could have this cooking in their systems. The immune system yeah. is now focusing in the wrong directions. So when you ask me what I would like people to do, possibly if I can get this through the courts, and I've had my paperwork come back, and I know where my immune levels are, maybe this will open the door to all these other people going, OK, let's get the blood test. Let's at least find out. Mary, you need money for this. You need funds for this. Would you let us help? It's really important that we get people who will fund this crucial case. Yep, you know what, Liz, uh, as long as I'm, I'm geared towards finding out what's happening in my body, and if that helps somebody else, 100% I'll go down that path, 100%. How is it for you now in the middle of the night, for you when you think of the test results that you've looked at? It makes me feel a whole lot better because, like I said, I'm not asking the questions. I don't have to keep battling with my inner self and doubting these things. Now that I've got a, an, an answer... You know, it's, it's funny when people come back to you and they go, well, what sort of protein is it? What sort of antibody is it? So then I go, okay, if they're going to ask that question, I need to answer that question. All the way from the beginning of this, I've always said I will not say it's the vaccine unless I know it's the vaccine. So when we first spoke, I said, 12 hours after the vaccine, this is what happened to me. Is it coincidence or is it the vaccine? I don't know. Getting that spike protein test just cemented the fact that I know that it's vaccine. But I'll still get asked other questions. And I'm prepared to go, OK, if there's a way that I can get an answer for that, then I'll undergo a test. If it puts me, if I have to become the, the, the living autopsy for it, I'm prepared to go down that path. I'd rather do that than actually be autopsied. You have a tremendous spirit. How do you keep that up? Tell us about your psychologist you mentioned earlier, who, who has really you said really helped you mentally deal with this. Because yeah. this may help many others who are feeling shaky or know that, that they have something gravely wrong. My psychologist is a lovely lady called Kimmy. Um, and Kimmy has helped me deal with the tools to work through my anxiety. So it's, um, it, it's also it's about she's digging into my past to find out if it's something. The way she describes it, she said, Barry, she said, because I, I said to her, listen, I went through a drug-induced suicide attempt. So I took all that cinnamon. That cinnamon put me in a place where I didn't know who I was. I stepped over the line and I tried to do what I did. 
And I said, but it's drug-induced. And she goes, no, no, no. You got to the edge of the precipice because of the drugs, but something in your subconscious that made you step over. So what was that? So digging for that has become like this real... It's an interesting path for me because I still, I'm 100%, I go, this was the drugs. Um, I, I don't think there's anything in my past that's worthy of me to go, I want to end my life. And in fact, like I said to you, I have so much in front of me. I have an amazing, beautiful wife I've been with for 27 years. Um, I, have a, I have a great life. I have a career that I'm pursuing still. I'm at 61 years old and I'm like a 16-year-old kid still wanting to make films. Now, I love that. I walk onto a set and I'm so alive when I do it. I write films and I'm so alive when I'm creating other characters. None of that has left me. I'm like a child in a... In a like, like a child in this great playground of it. None of it makes any sense about why I wanted to end my life. So I'm fighting, I'm with her, listening to her talk about going back into my life to work out why I wanted to do it, but telling her that I didn't want to do it and I was drug-induced. So, like I said, she gave me some great tools, but it also confuses the hell out of me. That makes any sense to you. It confuses the crap out of me because I did not want to die. So... Uh, but no the, one, no, what were you going to say then? So I have the tools and I'm ever grateful to her for those. I'm, but I'm somewhere down the path where I go, well, I, I think I need to step away from thinking that it was something I did. Because then it becomes about me blaming myself for it. Or, in her words, letting go of the blame. But I have to find the blame to let go of the blame. And I, I've got nothing in there that I wanted to die for. Talk about that a bit more because that blame thing may be stopping some people who subconsciously know they're injured from really waking up to it because, because, and particularly if you've jabbed your children and there's fear there that you might have hurt your children, that guilt could keep people in the, in the false story, couldn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, and that's what I think I'm living through at the moment with my, with my psychologist. Trying to find something to blame outside of what I already know it is is making me incredibly confused. I think other people are doing it as well. They've been jab injured, but they're trying to, they're listening to other people and going, oh, well, maybe it's something I did. Maybe I deserve this. Maybe God hates me. You're not. You know, I, I, when, I was, when I was getting my last hoe cap, I met a lady who was going through something similar to me. She wants to end her life. Lovely, lovely soul. And I, I got to meet her through a friend, so they said, would you please meet her and maybe there's something that you can say to her that will help her. I've never met her before in my life. Um, I walked out of my therapy session and she was there and I just went up to her and I gave her a hug and she was very standoffish so she kind of turned to the side. And I said, please don't do that. Just hold me. And she held me and we hugged. And I said to her, I said, this isn't something that you did to yourself. This is something that somebody else did to you. You need to fight like hell. You need to not blame yourself. At the end of your days, you don't want to die. You want people to be able to say to you, this is what I did to you and I'm sorry. And you fight like hell for that apology. She was great. Both cried. They did this to us, Liz. Somebody needs to be accountable. Barry, you're, you're just as extraordinary as Casey, as extraordinary as Rob. I want to meet them so badly.
I'll definitely arrange it. You, you are as extraordinary actually as every injured Kiwi that I've had the honour of interviewing because the courage that it now takes is, life takes courage anyway, but what you just said is so beautiful, so powerful. And that's a message for everyone who is injured out there. How do you do that? I don't know, Barry, if we want to send the message that it's wrong to cry. I think that it's a part of the human journey. And what you've, what you've shared here, it, it, you're sharing all of you. You are sharing all of you. I don't want just the part of you that... I don't think it's weak, Liz. I don't it's think that. incredibly strong. I just won't give that to them. I get it. Yeah. So let's make a shopping list from this. What we need is somebody to sponsor your court case because you have evidence that it has really blown up your immune system and if we can get that into court with a top, top, top lawyer and any law, law firm that would love the support of the millions now of Kiwis who are woken up in this country to what, to what has gone on under this Labour government, you will, get, you will be beloved if you step forward and do this work for Barry Duffield take his case to court. I'm begging for that. But we need a sponsor as well. We need a sponsor for your ozone to get you well. And anybody else who thinks you may have something that could help Barry and get that immune system settled down. If you've had good results, please write to me, liz.gun at freenz.org. So that's the second thing on the shopping list. What else do we want? What else would help right now, Barry? Oh, just staying normal, Liz. I think that I, if, I, I don't know what Casey or Robert have to say about this, but I just want normality back. Could you bear to talk with your inc incredible communication skills? Could you bear to talk to to those who are jab injured also? If we did some Twitter Spaces, for example, we would you, help. and people could could ring into you. Would that be would that be too draining for you? Or would no, it but help? if I thought it would help, I would do that 100%. That could be amazing. No, it's not even speaking to them, Liz. It's being heard, it's having it's someone hearing. actually listening to you for once without being judgmental, without throwing, you know, like I've, I've been through what I've been through, but I don't want to say to someone else, well, your experience is like mine. And let me tell you about my experience. I want to just hear what they have to say. I think there's nothing worse than somebody actually doing that to you going, well, let me tell you what happened to me. Because whatever happened to you, we'll just leave that till later. But let me tell you what happened to me. Um, they're going to hear this. But if I was able to be an ear for someone, 100%. Hmm. Just like this lady I told you about when we hugged. It was just listening to her story, listening to what she felt like. And honestly, when someone looks you in the eye and they say, I'd rather be dead. I want you to leave people with the most powerful thoughts you have about your own healing. Because I know that energy, that life force within you, will emanate through the camera and it will give others the same hope, the same life force, the same determination. Because you're, you're a real force of nature. What, what's a thought that keeps you going or what's a healer said to you that is helping you keep going, Barry? Whenever I go into a session with her, she says to me, take no negative thoughts with you whatsoever. Because what you project, what you think is what you will, will happen to you. So if you hold those thoughts of healing in your head, that's what you'll do, but if you hold to negativity, if you hold to darkness, then it will just consume you. 
That's an extraordinary ending and it will help many others as well. Thank you, Barry Duffy. Thank you, Liz. Brilliant.